This is Dr. Baliga here. Today's podcast is on the analysis of an acid-based disorder. It's derived from an outstanding chapter on acid-based disorders authored by Dr. John J. Chang, MD, and Dr. Aldo J. Pexetto, MD, both faculty at the Yale University School of Medicine at Yale University, New Haven, Connecticut. The three-step approach the analysis of acid-based disorder will be discussed. Step 1 includes determination of the primary acid-based disturbance by examining the pH, the extracellular bicarbonate and PCO2. Step 2 involves determination whether a second acid-based disturbance is present by examining the level of compensation to the primary acid-based disturbance. And Step 3 When the anion gap is increased, determine whether a second or third acid-base disturbance is present, first by calculating the hypothetical bicarbonate concentration that would have been present before the development of the high anion gap acidosis, and then by comparing the hypothetical bicarbonate ion concentration to the normal range of bicarbonate concentration. Analysis of an acid-base disorder The goal in the clinical evaluation of an acid-base disorder is to identify one or more acid-base disturbances that produces changes in the PCO2 and the extracellular bicarbonate ion concentration, which usually, but not always, induce a change in the pH. Central to this evaluation is the analysis of the arterial pH, PCO2, and extracellular bicarbonate ion concentration And when the anion gap is elevated, the comparison of the change in anion gap to the change in extracellular bicarbonate ion. A stepwise analysis of these parameters will identify one, two, or even three OCs, that is metabolic acidosis or alkalosis. The information from the history of and physical examination will provide further insights to the underlying cause of an acid-base disorder. Step 1 is to determine the primary acid-base disturbance by examining the pH, the bicarbonate ion concentration, and the PCO2. If the pH is less than 7.4, acidemia is present. If the pH is greater than 7.4, alkalemia is present. Metabolic acidosis or respiratory acidosis causes acidemia, while metabolic alkalosis or respiratory alkalosis cause alkalemia. The examination of the extracellular bicarbonate ion and PCO2 helps to distinguish a metabolic acid-based disturbance from its respiratory counterpart. Step 2 is to determine whether the second acid-based disturbance is present by examining the level of compensation to the primary acid-based disturbance. A respiratory osis may coexist with a metabolic osis and vice versa since the presence of one does not exclude the presence of the other. Therefore, after identifying the primary acid-base disturbance, the next step is to search for a second acid-base disturbance. If the first acid-base disturbance is a metabolic osis, then a concurrent respiratory acid-base disturbance is sought. In contrast, if the first acid-base disturbance is a respiratory osis, then the search is for a concurrent 
metabolic acid-base disturbance. The presence of a second acid-base disturbance can be inferred by examining the adequacy of the compensatory response to the first acid-base disturbance. If the observed compensatory change is within the expected range, then a second acid-base disorder is ruled out. If the observed change falls outside the expected range, the existence of a second acid-base disturbance in kind to the one responsible for the faulty compensation is confirmed. For instance, an appropriate respiratory compensation to the decrease in the bicarbonate ion concentration to 14 milli equivalents per liter in metabolic acidosis would lower the PCO2 to 29 plus or minus 2 millimeters of mercury. If the observed PCO2 falls between 27 and 31 millimeters of mercury, a concurrent respiratory acid-base disturbance is ruled out. If the observed PCO2 is lower than 27 millimeters of mercury, it indicates excessive hyperventilation and respiratory alkalosis. On the other hand, if the observed PCO2 is greater than 31 millimeters of mercury, it indicates hyperventilation and respiratory acidosis. In a primary res respiratory acid-base disturbance, the observed bicarbonate ion concentration is compared to the expected bicarbonate ion concentration. If the observed bicarbonate ion concentration is less than expected bicarbonate concentration, a concurrent metabolic acidosis is present. If the observed bicarbonate ion concentration is greater than the expected bicarbonate ion concentration, a concurrent metabolic alkalosis is present. If the observed bicarbonate con ion concentration is within the expected range of the bicarbonate ion concentration, a metabolic acid-base disturbance is temporarily ruled out. Since hypoventilation and hyperventilation are mutually exclusive, respiratory acidosis and alkalosis cannot coexist. Thus, the presence of one respiratory disturbance, say respiratory acidosis, automatically rules out respiratory alkalosis. On the other hand, metabolic acidosis and metabolic alkalosis can be present simultaneously as might have been seen in a patient with both diarrhea and vomiting. Step 3. When the anion gap is increased, determine whether a second or third acid-base disturbance is present. First by calculating the hypothetical bicarbonate ion concentration that would have been present before the development of the high anion gap acidosis. And then by comparing the hypothetical bicarbonate ion concentration to the normal range of bicarbonate ion concentration. The increase in the anion gap in a high anion gap metabolic acidosis is due to an accumulation of an unmeasured anion which arises from its corresponding acid when it dissociates into its conjugate base and hydrogen ion. For instance, the addition of 1 milliequivalents of lactic acidosis in one liter of plasma reduces bicarbonate ion concentration by one milliequivalents per liter while it increases the anion gap by one milliequivalents per liter. Notably, the magnitude of rise in the anion gap is equal to the magnitude of fall 
in the bicarbonate concentration. A corollary to this is that the rise in the anion gap from the baseline may be used to estimate the independent effect of the high anion gap acidosis on the bicarbonate ion concentration. By adding the increase in the anion gap to the observed bicarbonate ion concentration, it is possible to estimate the bicarbonate ion concentration that would have been present before it was lowered to the current observed concentration during the buffering of the high anion gap. If this hypothetical pre-bicarbonate ion concentration falls within the normal range, that is 22 to 26 milliequivalents per liter, no other metabolic acid-base disturbance is present. If the pre-bicarbonate ion concentration is lower than 22 milliequivalents per liter, it indicates an existence of a concurrent normal anion gap metabolic acidosis that has independently lowered the bicarbonate concentration to below the normal range. On the other hand, if the pre-bicarbonate ion concentration is greater than 28 milliequivalents per liter, it indicates an existence of a concurrent metabolic alkalosis that has independently raised the bicarbonate ion concentration. While this relationship, also called the delta-delta, is useful in the identification of triple disorders, it is fraught with several problems in the assumptions that it makes about the physiological factors, such as the equimolarity of the changes in plasma bicarbonate ion concentration and the anion gap. The baseline values of these two variables and the volumes of distribution of the bicarbonate ion and the generated organic acid. Mindful of these limitations, we, uh, the authors still believe it is a useful diagnostic tool in acid-based disorders. In an elegant table, the authors of this chapter list three examples of high anion gap metabolic acidosis from lactic acidosis. In each of these cases, the anion gap increases by 10 milliequivalents per liter from the accumulation of 10 milliequivalents of lactate. Assuming that each milliequivalent of lactic acid is neutralized by 1 milliequivalents of extracellular bicarbonate ion and that no lactate was subsequently lost from the extracellular fluid. The rise in the anion gap by 10 milliequivalents per liter implies a reduction in the bicarbonate ion concentration by 10 milliequivalents per liter. Thus, to calculate the extracellular bicarbonate ion concentration before the development of lactic acidosis, 10 milliequivalents per liter is added to the observed bicarbonate concentration. In, in scenario one, where lactate levels are 11, bicarbonate uh, level is 8, PCO2 is 20, pH is 7.2, chloride 104, anion gap 22, uh, uh, and pre-bicarbonate ion as, is uh, at 18, which is low. In this case, the pre-bicarbonate ion concentration is 18 milliequivalents per liter, suggesting an existence of a concurrent normal anion gap metabolic acidosis that has independently lowered the bicarbonate ion concentration down from 218 milliequivalents per liter from the normal range of 22 to 26. This is seen in profuse diarrhea, which first produces normal anion gap metabolic acidosis 
and later in the setting of shock results in lactic acidosis. In case 2, the lactate level is 11, bicarbonate ion was 14, PCO2 is 29, pH was 7.3, chloride ion level is 104, anion gap was also 22, delta anion gap was 10, the pre-HCO3 was normal at 24. And in case 3, lactate levels was 11, bicarbonate ion le uh, level was 24, PCO2 was 40, pH was 7.4, chloride ion was 104, anion gap was also 22, and delta anion gap was 10. But the pre-HCO3 was high at 34. In case 3, which is typically due to intractable vomiting, which first produces metabolic acid alkalosis, and later in the setting of shock, lactic acidosis. The, in this instance, the pre-bicarbonate concentration is 34 millipolens per liter, suggesting an existence of a concurrent metabolic alkalosis that has independently raised the bicarbonate ion concentration from 22 to 26 milliquins per liter. Finally, in case 2, the normal pre-bicarbonate ion concentration indicates no other metabolic acid-base disturbance is present. So this is in a nutshell on how to analyze acid-base disorders. For more, please see the chapter on acid-base disorders authored by Dr. John J. Chang and Dr. Aldo J. Pexito, both fa faculty uh, physicians at the Yale University School of Medicine. This is derived from an outstanding chapter in Baliga's textbook of internal medicine available at www.mastermedfacts.com. To recap, the goal in the clinical evaluation of an acid-base disorder is to identify one or more acid-base disturbances. Central to this evaluation is the analysis of the arterial pH, PCO2, and bicarbonate ion, and when the anion gap is elevated, the comparison of the magnitude of the increase in the anion gap to the magnitude of the decrease in the bicarbonate ion.